Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Yahoo Rankings Week here on Fantasy NBA Today. I know we touched on it on Friday. That doesn't mean I can't dub this week Rankings Week. It's extension. It's a teaser. We did the first 10 on Friday. A little background on all that stuff. Welcome to another week of the show. This is off-season episode number 66. Five a week, every week. Never a dull moment in the marvelous NBA. Not much going on uh, from an actual fantasy standpoint these days. Summer League stuff is happening, which uh, generally, generally leads people in the wrong direction. You know, we had that huge game from Chad Holmgren, then he came back, kind of got bullied a little bit. Paolo Banchero's looked really good so far. A lot of the stuff that we kind of expected is happening. Certain teams have guys that are trying a little bit harder, teams that have players fighting for a roster spot. That can also make a difference. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't buy into it. You will get fooled. It's all moving hype around. You either move the hype up or you move the hype down. And either way, it's probably giving you some kind of wrong info. I am Dan Bespris. Thanks, as always, everybody, for tuning in. Please do, by the way, drop me a follow on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I think there may even be a handful of you that are newer listeners these days. And to that end, I'll say once again, trying to do it on every show, thank you guys and gals. Thank you, everybody. For listening to the show through the offseason. Easily. Not even close. Easily the biggest offseason we've ever had on this podcast. Which, I'll tell you, from a personal standpoint, it feels like triply good. Because really since COVID landed in the U.S. and shut everything down March of 2020. Remember it like it was yesterday. Because we had our second kid like 10 days after that. Since then, there's been no real rhyme or reason to who's listening to podcasts and when. Everybody worked from home, so listenership went down, and then the season was sort of like, it didn't happen, and then it did, and then it didn't, and then it did. We had the playoffs, and then like a month and a half break, and then another regular season happened, and then when last offseason was a short one. And a lot of people, I know this just you know, sort of anecdotally, but it's very true. You had a lot of people that quit playing fantasy sports because they just sort of weren't interested in sports for a year or two years there life was just too consuming we were all trapped at home with our families our children they definitely soak up a lot of time and just everybody's habits changed but you can feel normalcy little by little creeping back in and i think you're starting to see that now with some of you guys coming back to fantasy sports maybe that left whatever it might be The listenership is crazy right now. Thank you guys. You're the best. We'll keep it rolling. For those that did not listen on Friday, just a one-minute recap here, we're into our uh, ranking analysis portion, which I think we generally do a little bit earlier in the offseason, but just I kind of moved things around this year. We had more lessons learned than usual. I wanted to do some stuff on the NBA draft, so it just got pushed back. Just kept getting bushpacked, little by little. And finally, we're now getting to it in mid-July, which is fine, because this is a little bit of kind of a new news downtime in the NBA. 
unless you really care about uh, NBA Summer League. We're still waiting on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. We're waiting on where DeAndre Aiden's going to end up. There was a report that things are heating up on a potential sign-and-trade with Indiana. I don't know. feels like the Pacers want to be going into a tank. I, I don't fully understand how that would fit, but whatever. Regardless, we have time now to do this analysis. And what we're doing is we're just kind of looking at how, and unfortunately, again, because Yahoo changed their preseason ranks in the middle of the season, we are looking at ADP and how that connected with where players actually ended up, both by totals and by averages, and what we can learn from that. And again, if you missed Friday's show, what we talked about on Friday was basically the first 10. We do it in groups of 10 instead of groups of 12, just because the math is a little bit easier. Dividing things by 10, a lot simpler. Just from, you know, getting nice round numbers and taking averages and things like that. Then dividing by 12. I can do it. I can divide stuff by 12. Mental math has always been kind of a fun thing, but 10 is just simpler for our analysis sake. So on Friday, we did the first 10. Jokic through Embiid, basically, when you're talking about ADPs, and what we learned by, you know, for better or worse, we had to take Damian Lillard out of this mix, because dude played the first third of the season and then had surgery and sat out the rest. Team went into a full tank. His, you don't want that one outlier screwing up your data for everything else that was going on. Basically, what we learned was that the uh, absolute value of miss size, which I actually tend to believe is the best indicator that we should work off of because it doesn't uh it doesn't discriminate between whether a miss was above or below like i don't care if if someone was a big hit i want to know what the miss size was because we're trying to figure out where discrepancies occur where we can then diverge from consensus safely what we learned on friday is that on a totals basis the first round wasn't very good and effectively anyone behind Nikola Jokic had pretty much an equal chance, this is 2 through 10, of being the number 2 player. Because the absolute value miss size was almost 8 in that group. That's, again, without Damian Lillard. We just put him in as a 0. So 76, basically divided by 9, was the distance. So it's 8 and change, about 8.5. And, and if you include Damian, then it goes under 8, but you, we shouldn't. What we also learned that was on a per-game basis, the results were somewhat similar, but also not exactly. Because on a per-game basis, the numbers were actually more accurate. And Luka Doncic by himself was kind of the guy blowing things up. Doncic was the number two ADP player, and he finished at number 28, both per-game and averages. So you could pull him out, and, and again, things would shift a little bit. But we're not going to for this perspective. The point of that is, the reason we don't pull Luca out, missing by 28, is he's part of the answer we got on Friday. Luca, Steph, Harden, Giannis, KD, Dame, pull him out, Cat, Tatum, Embiid. Those are the other, those are the nine names behind Nikola Jokic, two through ten, excluding Lillard. And any one of those guys had an equal chance of being the number two player. In fact, maybe the best indicator is that the numbers 2, 3, and 5 guys were the last three names I read, not in that order. Cat was 3, Tatum was 5, Embiid was 2. 
you had an equal chance this last year of getting the number two player in fantasy at any pick between two and ten, basically. After ten, we got into that horrific area, the turn. It was awful, and we're going to start to look at some of that this today in just a moment. Quick reminder again, over on the per-game side, it was a little bit less tilted because it was Luka, which was a 26-slot miss, and then every other player in that group, now this would be 3 through 10, minus Dame, was 8 or less on the miss size. So it was a lot closer over there, but durability did play a role. Steph was hurt for a stretch, Harden was hurt for a stretch, Giannis got a lot of rest days, KD was out for a while. And that's why the absolute value on the per-game side was lower. They were closer hits. These guys did have first-round per-game production for the most part. Tatum was 15, but super durable. Harden was 12, and not that durable. So he was kind of hanging on by a thread at the end of the first round. But in that first 10, you had the number 1, 2, 3, 6, 7, and 9 per-game guys. Four was LeBron. He's down at number 20 on ADP for missing numbers here. And then I think there was a number five somewhere. Was that DeJounte Murray? No, DeJounte was eight. Five was uh, Kyrie, actually. Sorry about that. Kyrie was five. So uh, obviously Kyrie was going to go later. DeJounte Murray was your big hit at uh, ADP of like 51 this last year. But for the most part, first-round picks had first-round per-game production but had big red flags on them. And so you could almost argue that going even farther than the top 10, you could have ended up with the number two pick. The problem, of course, with that argument, as we now segue into the next chunk of 10 here on the podcast, is that the guys after the front 10 had an obvious issue with them, whatever it might be. Like with Steph, you're thinking, okay, well, this guy could be number one, if he stays somewhat healthy, or he could certainly be in that top grouping. And I would actually argue that Steph was probably your clear number two this last year and then got hurt because he was number six by averages. If he was as healthy as Embiid or even a slightly better, he would have been in the top three. He just happened to miss a bunch of time. Uh, With Harden, you knew he was in a, a worse spot, although he went up because Kyrie was supposed to be out most of the year. KD, big time injury stuff. Giannis, you've got the free throws. Cat. You figured the per game would come down a little bit, but he was durable. Tatum, same thing. You were counting on durability. Joel was the one you were freaked out about durability. Anthony Davis was number 11. He was number 10 per game, so he was right there. With Russ around and, you know, the injury stuff and and everybody together, you knew he wasn't going to go into that top one or two. Trey Young, you knew he wasn't going to be... Uh, in the top five on a per-game basis. As it turns out, he was number 11. He had a fantastic year, and now DeJounte Murray's in town. That kind of blows that thing up. Paul George, I thought, was a good dice roll at that point. He ended up falling back to number 16 on a per-game basis. Bradley Beal was, I thought, actually a relatively safe play in that area. And then he was horrific this year. And this is, by the way, both kind of per game and totals, although not as much per game. AD was 10, Trey was 11, PG was 16. 
Beal was 72. Uh-oh. Vooch was 29, but he played in most games. So by totals, he was pretty close to his ADP. Jimmy Butler was number 14 per game. Then you get into some guys where, I don't know, I had a little bit of issue with it. Demonis Sabonis, I thought he was going way too early, and he was. Number 40 per game, 48 totals. Bam out of bio. He fell off. Zach Levine fell off. Kind of knew that one was coming. LeBron, huge year, but hurt. So did barely beat his ADP, but not by nearly as much as it could have been. And that's the next 10. So the reason I think it's probably inaccurate to say you could take anybody in the next group in that, that next chunk behind Nikola Jokic is because you kind of have to hit one of two things or both. If you want if you want your guy to be the number two player, and I think we can all just sort of generally agree that no one's jumping Nikola Jokic for now. Although it's worth noting he will have some help this year, probably, finally. So maybe he comes back ever so slightly. Not the point. Not the point. Dan, get back on the damn point. Uh, the damn point, as we put it here so eloquently, is that if you're looking for the number two player, you need to have someone where you can check a couple of boxes. Box number one is, could that player actually be the number two per game guy? Is there a chance? Meaning, really, have they done it before, or is there a clear path for them to do it for a first time? Steph has been the number one player before. You could make an argument for him in that category. KD has been up there before. Anthony Davis, actually going to go down that far, has actually been up in that grouping before in the who's been the number one player on the board. James Harden has. I guess it's only fair to throw him on there as well. The other box you need to check is can they stay upright for a season? Because you could be the number two per game guy, but if you're liable to to miss six weeks for some reason, you're not going to be the number two guy by totals. And that's kind of what happened to Kevin Durant. He was number two per game this year, but he missed whatever it was, 20 games, 20 some odd games. So he was number 12 by totals. Steph, similar issue. He was number five, six, excuse me, per game, but missed too many games. So he fell back a little bit. James Harden, you could sort of argue yourself out of it because of situation. Anthony Davis, I think you could argue yourself out of it as well because something was a little adrift between the ears and his free throw percent had become a negative. He was not going to be the number one guy if he free throws used to be a positive for him. That's a big swing. And, you know, older, more tired, all that good stuff. So that left us this last year with basically like Steph, (laughs) maybe KD, you trusted the legs it certainly didn't leave us any names outside the top 10 Anthony Davis was the first one you could you could make that kind of outside oh well what if every yeah not not with Russ coming to town not with 80s injury history not with the weird off seasons not with having won a championship because regular seasons just aren't going to mean the same thing you knew that until Honestly, maybe this next year, depending on who the hell's on the Lakers when the season starts. But again, that's a discussion for another day. That's the reason you kind of have to create some sort of cutoff. And this time it was Embiid, because now you can kind of argue, we've seen it, Joel can be a top three per game guy, but can we check the durability box? And this year, sort of. Yeah. I mean, he was good enough in that department. He could have run away 
with the number two spot if he was above average in durability. But even just getting right at average was good enough this year. But what do we learn from the second group of 10 is perhaps the next question we should argue. We keep kind of looping back around to that top 10, which, listen, for better or worse, and I know we have a lot to talk about over the next however many days we discuss these numbers on the podcast, your first round pick is your most important pick. It just is. It's a make or break pick in fantasy. If you had Luka on a nine category team, you probably didn't win. If you had Dame, you definitely didn't win. If you had Jokic, you probably won money, some amount. Cat, Embiid, you had a pretty good shot to win money. Tatum gave you at least an outside chance. Trey Young gave you a decent chance. Who, you know, the one guy that worked out on the turn. If you ended up with one of those guys in the first round that missed a bunch of games, you probably didn't win money in your fantasy league. Or if you did, it was probably like, oh, I got third and I got, you know, double my buy-in or something like that. That's how pivotal those first round picks can be. They're overwhelmingly important. But they're not everything. And sometimes you can make up for it a little bit. Which we saw more actually towards the end of the second round. Guys in that uh, ADPs of, you know, 22 to 25, 26, something in that neck of the woods. That's where guys really made some hay. LeBron was use- very helpful there. Donovan Mitchell missed some games, but was actually, you know, decent this year. Freddie Van Fleet was solid enough. LaMelo was a great one. Gobert did pretty well. Devin Booker had a good season. Those guys ended up in way better shape than early and mid-second round. Uh, but we're, I, you know, we're not there yet. Those are, that's the third chunk we're going to talk about. Second chunk, and it's hard to make sweeping generalizations like this because you don't really know the order of players, but the second chunk here had a lot of high upside, low floor players. Anthony Davis, super high upside, got hurt. Trey Young, I actually didn't think had that much upside. As it turns out, uh, his per game was much better than I think any of us expected. And then he has been pretty durable. So that's a feather in the cap for Trey. And we'll weigh that for this coming season. But Paul George, big time upside, got hurt. Bradley Beal, big time upside, sucked and then got hurt. Vooch, less so. He actually doesn't fall into that category. He's more the, we figured he would take a step back uh, with everybody coming to Chicago. Thought he might be getting a tiny bit overdrafted. Ended up very durable and got near his ADP. Jimmy Butler, very high upside, got hurt. Sabonis, no upside. I still don't really know what he was doing there. Missed a bunch of games in Sacramento, but at least he was mostly playing in Indiana. Bam Adebayo, durability guy, not a ton of upside. Kind of fit a similar profile to Trey Young, but then got hurt anyway. Zach Levine, step back. We knew that. The DeMar DeRozan stuff. And then LeBron who, going at 20, there is actually a lot of upside there because he's someone we've seen in the top five or six in fantasy many times. And guess what? He was number four per game and missed a ton of time. Again, got hurt, didn't matter, still beat his ADP. 
This second group of 10 is harder to deal with than the first group, because with the first, you could just pull out Damian Lillard and look at the rest of the numbers and say, okay, well, generally, like, there is a, a bucket, 2 through 10, that all pretty much had an equal shot of being the number two player. This next one, it's hard to put into buckets how they actually performed, because really, at the end of it all, Trey Young was kind of the only true win in that group of 10. Vooch was close. He was behind his ADP by three slots. LeBron was close. He was ahead of his ADP by four. It was a huge win in Roto with a games cap, but really devastating in head-to-head because you had, you had him out all the time. And then everybody else was a miss. Some of them huge, some of them medium. But that's rough when you think about it from that perspective. Two of the 11 through 20, two of 10 guys beat their ADP by totals. Now, on a per-game side, which, by the way, the average miss size in that group of 10 was 56 and a half. I mean, that's just like, that's beyond repair. On a per-game side, the average miss size was 16 and a half. So that tells you what injuries did in that second group of 10. Anthony Davis, his big miss was injury. Paul George, injury. Beal, shutdown. Adebayo, injury. Yeah, he wasn't hitting his mark per game either, but he was only a round and a half off per game, and he was four rounds off by totals. Bradley Beal, per game, yeah, he still missed by five rounds, but by totals he missed by 15. Paul George, he was right on the money. He was actually a three-slot hit per game, but by totals he missed by 13 rounds below because of injury. Anthony Davis, similar issue. Nailed it. Per game right on the nosy. Totals, almost nine rounds off. Sorry, almost eight rounds off. I told you I could multiply by 12. I have to prove it. What do we learn from this? Well, it extends all the way to pick number 25. Basically, between Anthony Davis and Devin Booker, there was another very large group of guys that all had almost an equal shot of being ranked number 11. Weird, I know. You can pull a couple names out. Sabonis was one that never had a shot to be number 11 on a per-game basis. Zach Levine never had a shot to be number 11 on a per-game basis. I would argue Donovan Mitchell probably had no way to get up there either, but he was number 25, so we'll just leave him on here because we're trying to, we're trying to let in as many names as possible. Uh, I don't think Vooch had a shot to get it either, but we'll leave him on also because, you know, we didn't know exactly what DeMar DeRozan would do to him. We knew it was going to knock usage, and 10-11 was kind of his ceiling in Orlando when he was the one-man gang. But whatever. Again, I don't want to, I don't want you guys thinking I'm, I'm tweaking the numbers too much to get to a, a result. But here's the thing. I don't have a result that I'm looking for in any of this. That's part of the fun, going into this and not having an answer when we start this analysis. If I was like, oh, well, here's the thing I want to get to, and I'm just going to show you the data to get to it. No, we're going to look at every piece. But what I want you guys to remember, in this second group of 10, because in the first group of 10, I think you can 
I think you're, I'll allow you to overreact a little bit. And we'll wait, you know, we're, we'll get around to making our buckets. So we're going to get all of our projections once all the dust settles here. But it's not that, it's not quite that time yet. And doing it now, frankly, like, it's too much work. You do it now, you're going to have to do it again in a couple of weeks. Because there's more changes coming here. We work smarter. We don't work harder. A limited number of hours. This show is all about trying to help everyone win fantasy without having to put 14 hours a day into it. So we'll do the rankings but it's July 11th. We don't need to have them done yet. Do it when the dust settles. When the dust settles, we may once again have a situation where the first round is basically one player in the first bucket and nine players in the second bucket. I don't know for sure. Bodies are going to move around. One thing I can tell you about the first round is it's probably going to be more like what we just saw than what it had been previously. Meaning, you know, if you go back a couple of years, there were a lot of discussions between, was Steph the number two? Was Harden the number two? Was Kawhi the number two? Was uh, KD? Was Giannis? uh, Doncic? There were like five guys behind, and and actually Jokic was kind of in with them. There were like five guys that were this top rank that everybody was looking at. It's not that way anymore. And even looking at this last season, you're like, all right, well, who are these names that I just talked about ranked per game? Let's just do per game in the top 10 that could go higher. Who could do more than they did this last year? Any of them? Are any of them ending up in a better situation than this last season? Anybody. Like, LaMelo Ball, you argue might he could get better, but he was number 21 per game. He's in the first round because he played in 75 ball games. Tyrese Halliburton, he could get better. Maybe that's your answer of who might move up. But is he going to be in a, a class all by himself as, like, the guy that should go behind Nikola Jokic? No, absolutely not. He falls in with, if you want to get really bullish on it, he would fall in with Durant and Embiid and Steph, and Kat, the usual fare. The, the same group of guys. It's going to be like a six to nine player second group. Are there guys that are obviously moving down and out of that group? I don't think so. You know, if Kyrie plays most of this year, he probably deserves to be in that group now too. Does Cat move down a little? I guess maybe you could dump him out of it. If you think Gobert sidelines it, DeJounte Murray, move him out of that. He They were in the top eight. So, I don't know. Murray didn't even go in that range last year. Cat did. So maybe he's the name you drop out. Maybe it's only eight guys instead of nine. Or if you move Halliburton in, maybe it stays at... Point is, it might be seven, six, seven, eight, nine. It's a big bucket. The second group of players is a big bucket. We can, I believe, adequately react to the data we saw this last year. On that second group of players, though, I want us to not overreact. Yes, Anthony Davis is extraordinarily injury-prone, but we've heard the Lakers say everything that they're doing right now revolves around keeping him on the court. So maybe this is the year he plays 67 games instead of missing half the season. So Anthony Davis might make sense as the number 11 pick. 
Trey Young, by the way, I'm extremely worried about. I love the durability, but with DeJounte, that's not great. Paul George, he's going to sit out a bunch of time. Yeah, but, you know, his injury was basically Tommy John. So it's not his legs. The Clippers are making a push at it. He'll, he'll play through a few more things this year. I'm probably target in the mid-60s in games. Paul George could be your number 11 guy. And you're like, Dan, he was number 16 per game last year. Uh, and no one was around him. Yeah, I mean, efficiency-wise, he was horrific. He was terrible this last season. 42% on 20 and a half shots per ball game. But, you know, I don't see any... Re- and four turnovers a game, that'll come down. But, you know, he might get 18, 19, 20 shots again. Still Paul George and Kawhi's team. I know they got other guys out there, but maybe it's Paul George. Maybe it's Beal. I doubt it, uh, unless they start to play a little faster. Do we trust Jimmy Butler? Uh, injury stuff still creeping in. LeBron, LaMelo, Van Vliet. All of these guys actually have a shot. I mean, Freddie Van Vliet was 17 per game. LeBron was 4. AD was 10. Trey was 11. Paul George was 16. Butler was 14. Chris Paul was 19. I don't know what the hell's going to happen with Phoenix, but throw him in that mix too. Porzingis was 18. Time Lord was 13. He'll probably go in that range somewhere. I don't want us to overreact to the second round being such a disaster this last year, which, by the way, second round, there's always a group in the second round that, that ends up terrible. You just kind of hope it's more towards the back end of it because this year, teams ended up with Jokic and LaMelo or Jokic and LeBron, and they just steam-trained everybody, which kind of seems unfair. Uh, you really hope that it's not the second round, but we've had this we've had this conversation so many times. What's wrong with the second round? Well, it's where all the guys go that have upside and super low floors because they're not going in the top 10, basically. It just so happens this year that there was kind of consensus that picks 11 through 14 were all going to be the same kind of player, and they all flopped. AD, PG, Beal, Butler all flopped because of the same general reason. Couldn't stay on the court. Nailed it on a per game. Couldn't stay remotely healthy by totals. But that's not a guarantee to happen again. It's not. So I don't want us to overreact and say, oh, well, you need to totally rearrange your second round because what you're doing at that juncture, and look, the cutoff between buckets is a little bit arbitrary, but what you're trying to do at that juncture with your next bucket, whether it's we call it the third or the fourth bucket when we ultimately make these the series of buckets later on this offseason, what you're trying to do there is you're looking for someone who either, and this is the difference between the first group and the next group, At the top, you're looking for someone who can be number one and is likely to be somewhat durable. And in this next group, you're looking for someone who can be a first-rounder or is extraordinarily durable. Because if they could be both, they'd have already been drafted. Who on that list that you look at and you're like, this dude should be a first-rounder and is durable? Which of those names pop up? I know Trey did it, but he wasn't the name that came up. It was probably Beal. Because he was supposedly going to get all the shots to himself and had been playing through things, playing a ton of games for two, three years in a row, even when his team wasn't very good. It was Beal. That was the one name in that 
in that chunk where you're like, oh, this guy probably is going to be near the first round and also generally plays through games. And then he ended up being the worst pick in the bunch. But that's what you're looking for. Those types of guys tend to be gone by the time you get to this group that we're looking at now. You get either or. Anthony Davis, yeah, absolutely could be a first-round guy. Massive injury red flag. Paul George could be a first-round guy playing on a team that, I don't know, was he going to have to carry them? Always dinged up. Hasn't played a full season of games since he's been in L.A. Butler absolutely can be a first-rounder. Misses 20 games every year. Vooch, not likely to be a first-rounder, but seems to be relatively durable. Demonis Sabonis, I don't actually understand that one. He was semi-durable and not a first-rounder. Bam Adebayo, not likely to be a first-rounder, but was super durable prior to this last year. Zach Levine, kind of neither. LeBron could be a first-rounder, hasn't been durable lately. Body's starting to finally show some signs of breaking down, even if fantasy-wise and production-wise he's still ridiculous. And then when you get to the back end of that group, you start to look at the next bunch, which is kind of like a diminished version of the same question. And that is what we'll talk about on our Tuesday edition, because this one ended up going longer than I expected anyway. I hope you guys are enjoying this. This is really math heavy, but this is stuff that I I truly enjoy because as we start to look at ADPs for next year, we're going to look in that 11 through 20 range and say, okay, well, which of these guys fit the discussion we had back on July the 11th? Lucky 7-Eleven. Let's hit the craps tables, folks. Hey, have a great Monday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow morning. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Thank you again for listening all off-season long and shout out once more to our amazing baseball and football coverage guys. Also, we're going to have a Dynasty YouTube show coming up this coming Sunday. Uh, that'll be hosted by Rhett Bauer, Dynasty guru here. We talked to you on the show a couple weeks back. We'll tell you more about that towards the end of the week. That's all for now. So long, everybody.